Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears. Hey folks, welcome to the 123rd episode of the Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, David S. Dawson, and I'd like to say thank you once again for joining us here on the show. We got a great episode for you today. It's San Diego's favorite uh, young filmmaker, Micah Miner. Uh, although, can we call him San Diego's favorite young filmmaker? Because he's now... LA's favorite young filmmaker having just moved up to LA to work up there and we know he's going to kick ass and uh, make a good name for himself while he's there and represent San Diego very very well so I'm super excited for you to hear this episode Uh, Micah and I sat down to chat uh, literally like a few days before he made the big move up to Los Angeles so uh, it's right in the midst of all the excitement and fear and and anxiety and everything that goes into such a big uh, move as what uh, Mike has just undertook. And, you know, we wish him all the success in Los Angeles and uh, can't wait to see where this young man's career is going. Because quite frankly, you talk to anybody who knows the guy, they're going to tell you he's going to be someone. He is, he is phenomenally talented incredibly kind and just full of energy and passion and if you haven't seen one of his films um look up hook up on youtube uh and and watch the horror film he shot uh this time last year uh it's wonderful and shows you how great a filmmaker he's really going to be and i'm Super proud of him for making the uh, the move to L.A. Uh, he got a great opportunity offered to him, and uh, you know he made a an educated decision to pursue this opportunity, and uh, we're all rooting for him. Uh, I'd also like to say congratulations to Kristen Naomi. She uh, went with me on Saturday up to Hollywood to cover her very first red carpet event. And she killed it. She did a great job. Uh, We were at the Death Valley movie premiere. Death Valley comes out tomorrow on all your on-demand services. So make sure you check it out. Stars Katrina Law, Victoria Pratt. um, And uh, is directed by TJ Scott and co-written with uh, Brad McPherson. And it is wonderful. We'll have our reviews coming up for it. If not today, then certainly tomorrow. And... uh, I'm just looking forward to everybody getting a chance to see the movie. And uh, thanks again to Victoria and Brad and and TJ Scott for making the time to sit and chat with us uh, last week on the podcast. And uh, for for uh, Michelle for being so gracious to let us also cover their red carpet. It was a lot of fun. We had a really good time. If you uh, aren't aware, 
The Intellectual Entertainment team is going to be participating in this year's Four Points Film Project. That's November 13th to 16th. So if you're a San Diego-based filmmaker or Orange County, L.A.-based filmmaker, and you're looking for something to do that weekend, why don't you reach out? Uh, let us know if you're interested. We're looking for crew members, PAs, and and uh, assistants, and, and uh, people to work in every department. Uh, you can reach out to me. Uh, on Twitter or Facebook. You can find me on Facebook, David S. Dawson. Just look me up. Uh, fire off a message and uh, let me know that you're interested in joining our team. And uh, we'll see what we can work out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to the weekend. And we've put together an incredible team already. We just need to give them the support system they need now to make an absolutely amazing movie in three days. I love these timed competitions. It's a lot of fun. So with that, let's uh, get you into the podcast with Mike Miner, who himself made an amazing 48-hour film project film this past summer, um, which uh, just it was my favorite film of the summer here in San Diego uh, called Crowd Sorcery. And, uh, and I hope he's taking it to festivals and stuff because I think it'll do very well. And uh, here he is, Mike Miner on the 123rd episode of the Intellectual Podcast. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. What's the Vig is always on Mark's mind. And for the record, <laughs> it's zero seconds into this podcast that we talked about it. All right. That's record breaking. Oh, does that breaking. mean we're going now? <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, okay. Micah. Well, you got to send me a copy of that. Mark and I are sitting here with Micah. Well, doing, Micah? Hi. Now, you're nervous Micah to do this Miner. Why are yeah, you so nervous? nervous? Really? Well, you know, air quotes, public speaking is not my forte. <laughs> You're not public speaking. And You're just talking just to Mark. Just in a room with mics, Micah. That's true. We still got the door open. I can hear the AC. You can close running. the door if that makes you more comfortable. Yeah, I can no, close that door. Okay. Mark, why don't you close that door and make yeah, Micah more make comfortable? Micah. No, it's okay. More I think, comfortable. I think He's the, concerned about the people in the lobby hearing that's him talk. Not what I'm we don't want that. About. I'm concerned about background noise like that. Interrupting. No, that's just my phone. No big I deal. work with Frank a lot, so I know <laughs> I worked with Frank the things yesterday. that you need to be aware of. Was it yesterday? What's today? Today's Thursday. Yeah, I worked with Frank yesterday morning for the first time. That's awesome. I saw that picture of you wearing his gear. You're looking good. <laughs> and then I posted the picture of you on on Lefty, where you wheeled out a giant love seat to swing boom from. <laughs> really working your hardest. That was luxury, baby. That was luxury. <laughs> that was awesome. That was a really fun shoot. Well, it's funny. The Lefty shoot. You know, I, I put on a good face. Like Mark will tell you, I put on a good face, but I had a really rough summer. And right? uh, yeah, I mean, I technically speaking, I came very, very close to um, either having a stroke or a brain aneurysm or whatever in oh, May, no. uh, right before my 40th birthday. Ooh. And uh, I've been dealing with with uh, physical issues all summer. Um, that happened, and then I blew out my knee and. Uh, you know, it's just been one thing after another. And so when we were shooting lefty, yeah, you know, those long days, uh, you they know, were wearing you out. There was just, yeah, they were very much wearing me out. Cause Yikes. I, I was all, that was also on the tail end of having had a nine day long sinus infection followed by a four day bout of strep throat. So, wow. so all these things happened to me over the course of like a two month period leading into us shooting lefty. So when we were shooting lefty, I was, 
exhausted because I'd been basically in bed for two months. And so those were the kind of the first few days that I spent on my feet. How long into Lefty were you guys when I came aboard? Um, We had done the one weekend in the studio at Rosewood 5. Okay, that's it. And you came out for... Was it the day that you... Asked for all the extras. Yeah, that was that was our that was our fourth day of shooting on oh, the seventh day shoot. Day. So you were still whomped from yeah all yeah. that stuff. I was well, I couldn't tell. I was mad. Busting your ass. <laughs> I mean, you wheeled Thanks. that love seat out to the set to, <laughs> to sit on it. Now, to be fair, it was already on the curb because we took it out of the living room That's to right. shoot in the living room, That's and right. then we never. It's never made it back into the house. Like my sister was <laughs> no happy to have it, it out. <laughs> Nobody picked Leave it up. Out. Oh well, nobody picked it up. So it's just been Black sitting Mold. out there. How you doing? I got a home for you. <laughs> no, we actually ended up putting it in my buddy's uh, little trailer thing. He's got a little flatbed trailer, so it's in the driveway now. But it's up on the trailer, like waiting to be taken <laughs> to a dumpster dump it somewhere. <laughs> uh, there was a question I want to ask Micah, but I wanted to be off the record. Should I just whisper it, or do you want to press <laughs> Don't pause? Say it on the podcast. Yeah. We can always cut it. Hold out. on here. Pause. All right. All right. Okay. Cool. Okay. I was only kidding, Dave. We don't have to press pause. No, now that we've got it all sorted out that we can talk about Aubrey. Oh. <laughs> How natural great. was that? That's allowed. That's allowed. <laughs> but I think... Uh, but no, I want to say this. Um, on, as far as the lefty thing goes, sure. uh, you and I have never worked together before. Oh, I know. Um, and I just kind of put that random post out on Facebook. Like, hey, we're looking for extras. You know, if you're free, come on down, help us out. And you showed up and you're like, um, I got all my stuff too. Like you guys need any C stands? Do I sound like that? Some stuff. Uh, you sound like, I'm like, I'm like, by all means, Micah, yeah, that'd be great. And you ended up becoming a part of the crew, like for the whole rest of the shit, which was awesome. And, and you, you elevated the, the, the quality of the movie immensely. And I appreciate your help. Thank you, man. No, if I've got nothing to do, on a day, I'd much rather be on set than sitting on my ass yeah. because yeah. there's nothing I love more than working on movies, whether it's paid or not. Uh, it, it helps when it's paid because yeah. that's the only way <laughs> I make nice. money. But <laughs> <laughs> I, was uh, a, I was a sign spinner for a while, and that was keeping. Were you me really? Afloat. Yeah, one of those arrow signs. Really? I wanted to do a web series about sign spinners, like all the way back in like 2001, 2002. Oh, yeah. They've been they, doing that since then. Oh, yeah. they've been doing 2002 is like, when arrow like sign spinners got started. I actually wow. made a documentary about it. Did you? They have a world sign spinning championship in Las Vegas every year. Oh it has God. turned it's into everything that I wanted to spoof about it. When oh, I, when no, I, it's, I had this whole thing about. laid out where like a guy quit his regular job to become a sign spinner and like his it, wife huh? and his family were all like people do that totally man. perturbed by it and didn't understand <laughs> it. And he's like, they just don't get the creativity and the outlet that I have here. And it's all the shots of him spinning. It's such <laughs> a weird <laughs> job, isn't it? It's weird, but it's fun. You know, Is it's it? the kind of job where, Hours can seem like minutes or minutes can seem like hours. Okay. It has a lot to do with the location mm. and the response you get. Honestly, the the energy that you put out there, you're going to get back. So if you're really engaging in cars and making sure that they're looking at you, <laughs> making sure that you point at them and get a smile out of them, then you have a lot of fun. And it goes by super quick. <laughs> and you do some really – it's really fun to throw that thing around. Um <laughs> But yeah, people are passionate about that. Where uh, where did you do it? All over San Diego. Wow. What um, was the product? Oh, all sorts of stuff. Really? Yeah, it's a company called Aero Advertising. 
and wow. they just sell the service of a professional sign spinner. It's quite a bit more expensive than the Mexican. You could pay five dollars an what hour. What is the training? It, what is the training to be a professional <laughs> sign spinner? It practices every a week. Flare spinner. And there's what you call spin structors. <laughs> I was actually a spin structor for a couple summers. Oh my god! This is I got fucking that amazing. <laughs> so, no, spin I'm so glad that Mike is on the show. Dude, there's plenty of spinonyms. Spinonyms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my god! It sounds like whole, Pitch Perfect. Oh my god! Man. There's a whole counterculture to it. <laughs> there's. Uh, I really don't want to talk about sign spinning the whole time, but I did it for four years and that helped me keep afloat to jumpstart my freelancing. Nice. So I was able to do a lot of free gigs to get my name out there right. while making 13 bucks an hour doing spinning. That's right. good money too. Well, I mean, we, we drive for Uber and Lyft and you know, I, I, I take money in parking lots for some of the sports complexes in town on the weekends. I mean, you do what you need to do to make the cash, to be free to do the non-paying work in town. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you mean true. all the non-paying work in town? What, uh, what, did you have a signature move? Uh, the scissor catch, which is where you, uh, the scissor catch. Yeah. I got to try to explain this so people can visualize it. You, you're standing up straight and you rest the sign down at your feet. The top of the sign is resting on your knees and then you wind back with one leg and kick it in the dead center towards the wind. So the sign flips out and goes above your head. And as it's coming back to you, you do a handstand and then you catch it between your legs and drop back down. So this is a catch. I could listen to this. Do we have to talk about your film work? I want to talk about the signs. <laughs> so you, you made a documentary about it. Where can we see that? It's on uh, Minor Films on YouTube. Okay. Or my website, micaminer.com. Are you in I it as really well or to... just behind the camera? What's that? Are you in it as well? I didn't compete, <laughs> but I went there and shot all of the, all the rounds. It's mm -hmm. like there's semifinalists and finalists and then the grand finale. And uh, it's over two days. And we would do the competition by day and shoot all the sign spinning rounds. And then overnight, we would be shooting interviews, talking head interviews with all the biggest sign spinners from all over the world. <laughs> And there's Arrow in Korea. There's mm -hmm. Arrow in Australia, all over the states, um, so everywhere. And so I got a lot of a lot of good footage. There's still a ton of stuff just sitting on the cutting room floor, but yeah. I uh, right. I made a little ten minute documentary. Ten minute? That's perfect <laughs> for my attention. Span. Amazing. I'm gonna it check cool. it out. It was cool. Minorfilms.com. MicaMinor.com. Uh, Minorfilms.net. Net. And YouTube. Slash minor films. There we go. Facebook slash minor films. <laughs> shameless plug. Shameless plug. Go for it. Get it out of the way. It's your episode, so plug away. You can get oh, What's the yeah. Big on Amazon for two ninety nine. Well, you got to watch this hookup. The movie I made for hookup Halloween is, last hookup year. is very good. Uh, yeah, that's the one when you. Hmm, can I spoil that? Spoil it. Oh, when you slash someone's throat. Yeah. Named. Uh, I take great pride <laughs> in in being able to say that I slit Merrick MacArthur's throat. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually convenient that we're shooting this. I mean, we're recording this on the 1st of October because that's the day that I started writing it. Oh, yeah. Mm. It was my goal to write and produce and build the sets and cast and crew everything by Halloween. And then on Halloween, mm. it was on YouTube. 30 day wow. film project. It was project. quite a feat, but we were able to build. But everybody loves sets. you, Micah. So, like, everybody's going to jump on board. It's all that out. free work, man. Yeah. 
you do enough free work and then everybody will you, do free what work you can for you. Do is you you collect the favors and mm. those are a currency of their own and mm, yeah, you do favors true. for people and people will in turn do favors for you if they're a good person <laughs> <laughs> i have worked with some horrible people especially in my early days <laughs> don't want to name it takes time names, it takes time when you're especially anytime you're new to a community right. it takes time to kind of weed your way through and figure out who the kind of stand up people are. Right. Like, let me, let me tell you this story. Um, <laughs> after I graduated high school, like right after I graduated Coronado high school, and what year was that? 2010. <sighs> I'm a baby. Wow. You are a baby. You're like 23, I'm 24. I'm 24. Just wow. turned 24 last month. Um, I had a friend. Okay. So the school got a grant for like $25 million or something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. And so they redid the entire theater department, all the arts departments, but they built a whole new auditorium with all new lights. And then all the lights that they had left were just sitting in a storage closet. And I had a friend who was the tech director at the school. And she told me, shout out to CJ. She'll never hear this, but she said, come on in on a Saturday and take some lights. And I didn't know anything about lighting yet. I, mm-hmm. I've been making short films since I was 14. So 10 years now I've been making shorts, but I never really knew how a movie was made. I just had a camera, had friends, had an idea, and went out and shot it. But I never had really worked on a real set before. It wasn't until I met Peter later that he introduced me to like how a crew actually functions. And yeah, stuff. Peter to Mickelson, actually, right? To actually Peter crafting what, a, what an image should look like. And how it's such a collaborative mm-hmm. effort. Because for the first eight years, I was doing everything on my own, which is a great way to learn. But also, like, none of my stuff it's really to, looked. It's also a way to develop a lot of really bad habits. True. I mean, yeah. You just got to be open to learn from other people once you're right. exposed to other people. But anyways, um, she had me come in on a Saturday to the high school. No one was there but her. And she showed me around like the behind the scenes and the catwalk and all the cool stuff that they had going on with this new theater department. And then she took me to the storage room and it was just flooded. You couldn't walk in there. It was just all lights, Fresnels, Lipsoidals, giant 2Ks from like Lipsoidals. Yeah, Lipsoidals are also. They're spot. They're lights that allow you to make a spot. Oh, spot. Like also known as. Spotlight is something different. Also known a spot as, instrument allows you to actually create a hard beam. You can put gobos in it and do shapes and that sort of stuff. Like a Fresnel, a Fresnel be, is more of a wash instrument. Okay. An example would be when Dr. Evil escapes from the prison in uh, Austin Powers <laughs> 3, I think podcast, it was. Gold member. About, uh, Austin Powers. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And when he's escaping, there's that light that follows him. Or just when you're on a stage and you've got like this, the perfect circle light. Okay. That would be a Ellipsoidals, they're called Lecos, they're called Source Fours, there are tons of different names for them. Hmm. But anyways, they had them all. But I didn't know anything about lights. If if I had known I was now, a, I was a technical uh, theater major with a lighting emphasis. Yeah, I wish I had known you then. <laughs> I wish I had known JT then. I wish I'd have known you before everybody else did. <laughs> then I could have just swallowed you up and had you part of my yeah. fourteen year old micro. Yeah, exactly. Come work I'm on fair this game. Film. Anyone can have me. Just oh, tug me any direction. I'll go with the flow. Um, That's going to be the title of this podcast. Micah says, "Tug me in any direction." I'll just yeah, go with baby. the flow. <laughs> if I had known then what I know now about lighting, 
I would have chosen a whole different kit, but I was able to fill at that time a two-door Honda Accord with as many lights as I could fit with no background in lighting whatsoever. I had never even lit a movie on my own without just using natural light or available light on wherever I was. I didn't even, I didn't even consider it being an art form like I do now. And that's mostly what I specialize in is grip and electric. Mm. But it's because of that, that I got that carload of lights for free that I just went straight to Craigslist and said, let me gaff your movies. And I did it for free or, you know, very little money, like slave labor money. And most of my experiences were just awful. (laughs) Craigslist is not the place to, to work on, uh, on movies. Well, I feel like a lot of that has changed even just in the last couple of years. Like, as far as Craigslist? People don't go to Craigslist to try and find work so much as they go to Facebook. Yeah. And like ask around. Sure. But I mean, <laughs> when you don't know about the communities at this time, I had no idea about all the, the film consortium, the San Diego filmmakers yeah, but and I mean, stuff like that. But I mean, most of that's only been the last couple of years too. That's true. So, mm. That's true. And that's a much better outlet. And I think yeah. here especially, people are really open to having new people come and learn really friendly down here with the filmmakers we have unlike the place it you're is. about to go to i know unlike los angeles monday huh monday's when i make the move you got a place to live yes i'm staying with peter mickelson and deep d kingra oh they're both up there already yeah huh? they've already been up there but they're getting a new place on monday and so i'm renting a budget truck oh. and going up there Ooh. just a well, it's few good that you've got friends yeah oh yeah having a support system up there was good i was almost gonna have to rent a room and with some strangers and i wouldn't really want to do that no point where uh what neighborhood northridge so i'm working in north hollywood and oh yeah near the college right yes that's they both go to school so that's like they're gonna be near the school and it's not terribly far from where i'm gonna be working cool nice we'll we'll get to that part of your journey in a minute later Ah. sure Get back, back to some more background. So after you've done a little bit of, of gaffing for horrible people. Oh, man. Horrible bosses. I worked on a movie called Strong Black Woman. <laughs> and Ooh. this director. Sounds like something I would watch. Uh, uh, nope. <laughs> nope. I wouldn't. Uh-uh. It's not that kind of movie, Mark. <laughs> this guy hired a couple producers from Chicago. And they didn't really know anything. They were just these hippie girls. Um, more interested in finding someone who had a weed connect than producing a movie. Hmm. They were the only ones getting paid and a lot of local actors. um, And we, he didn't have a script. He just had a camera and a few lenses, little DSLR. And he wanted to do something very artistic. He came to the set and said, I've got this idea. It just dawned on me last night. Let's make it a series of six, 15 minute takes with no cuts <laughs> and we'll just have Jeez. the actors improvise madman. And I asked him questions like, okay, so where are the actors going to be so that I can light for that? And I set up my lights, no real method or knowledge of what I was doing, but you know, at least knew the right questions. Where are the actors going to be? You know, what are they going to be doing roughly? And I'd set up the lights and then sure enough, like the blocking would be going into the another room. So the lights would just be sitting there. Visible in the background because they just, <laughs> well, I guess the scene's going to the kitchen now. No parameters the to what dark. they're doing. Just off they go. I even, uh, 
I had a I had a few gigs before that with a guy who really got me started, uh, Troy Brockovich. I met him on a feature that I found on Craigslist also. And he was cool. He blew my mind when he showed up on set in his Subaru Outback and opened up all this camera gear. And he was the DP on this project. And on the shoot, I was like, dude, let me be your apprentice. I would love to learn everything that you know. And he he says, oh, you want to intern? Sure, man. And he took me on all sorts of shoots. And he ended up giving me this little welded dolly that had a stupid little cart that didn't even roll straight. (laughs) But I had brought that to the shoot. I just would pack my car with every little piece of gear that I thought could be useful and go to these shoots just hoping that it would get me somewhere. And I had left that stupid cart that rolled on the dolly at home. So I invented a shoebox dolly because I had a shoebox in my car. And I had some like uh, some what's the antiseptic like goober that you put on your your boo-boos. And I lubed up the shoebox and I cut a hole in the top and put the tripod plate and I made a little shoebox dolly. Oh my God. You're like a little little slider diver. That's what they called me on that shoot. They called me Micah MacGyver. Micah MacGyver. (laughs) Just needed the frosted tips and mullet. (laughs) No, that was in middle school. I I had a mullet in middle school too. Mm -hmm. what you got to do at some point. <laughs> Every guy should have a mullet at some point. I've never had one. Well, I think it's time. It's not too late. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's no time like the present. You keep doing weird things with your beard. Might as well do something with your hair. <laughs> a mullet would be an improvement over that uh, haircut you had when you first came onto the podcast. Uh, some dude. I was parked. I was <laughs> some dude. Ubering or I don't know what I was doing. And uh, some guys like, Hey, uh, I don't know. He gave me his business card, said I cut hair. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, ah, I'll give this entrepreneur a shot. And uh, he was going to come to my house and cut my hair. That was like the whole thing. I'm like, that's awesome. He can, <laughs> Good I deal. can like, be in my living room and he can cut my hair um, for 10 bucks. And he's like, oh, actually, my car is broke. So uh, do you mind coming to my place? I'm like, ah, oh, geez, that's kind of. That was a lure, but okay. And he gave you a haircut. It was bad. I don't even know if you'd call it a haircut. He Oh, he cut your hair. Yeah. I used he to cut my own hair in uh, high school. I would argue over whether or not it was a, a, it a like good Hitler. style. Yeah. It, it was a style in 1929. He looked like Hitler. Yeah. In high school, I used to cut my hair with a with a razor blade, one of those disposable little green Ooh. guys. And I thought I never need to get pay for a haircut now i'm dating a hairdresser yes (laughs) you guys been dating about a year now right yeah one year plus like a week now so i can't remember do i know you from her or from film first i think we met through her and then okay found out at like a dinner party that she dragged me to that you're in the industry and then soon enough we just started running into each other yeah and we had a we, a little a, gift exchange, a little white yeah, elephant. Thing. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Aubrey gave me a yo-yo. Nice. <laughs> or she didn't, but it somehow it was her yo-yo and it ended up with me. I think I got a space pen. I space still have pen. that space pen. It's <laughs> dope. <laughs> uh, anyways. Yeah. I love making movies. So you mentored under under this guy and how, how long did that relationship last? Oh, we're still we're still buds. <laughs> we don't work together much anymore, but uh he really got me, got me started on working on cool little things. And he would, he would have me come on the shoot and just help him. Lo- I would help him lug around gear. And then I would come assist him in editing also. And he just was a one man band. You know, he didn't, 
he didn't work on crews either, but he's had a great eye, has a great eye, and really talented, mellow dude, and taught me a lot. And he also led me to uh, Stefan Mental, that uh, was the founder of SD Film Crew. Mm-hmm. That was in Mira Mesa. It's no longer there, but uh, I, I worked at that studio for a while. It was like two different buildings, a giant psych wall, and all the gear. Like I wonder where where all that gear came from, but, uh, or where it's gone. Yeah, and and Stefan took me to the next level and started to introduce me to other sh- other crews. And I would ask stupid questions on the shoots because people would rent his space, and I'd just be like, "Oh, I'm a PA that comes with the studio," <laughs> and they'd be like. I'd ask them questions like, what's MOS? And they just laugh at me. And But I, I just kept my head up and helped, uh, helped anywhere MOS? I could. And sure enough. <laughs> I actually don't know what MOS stands for. <laughs> okay. Some Mit on sound. German, uh-huh. no, no sound. Ah, okay. It means you're shooting and the audio guy gets to take a nap. Yes. Yeah, basically. Mm. It's an audio guy's favorite word. Okay. <laughs> MOS. MOS. See y'all later. Uh-huh. Sound. <laughs> yeah. So you're either sync, sync mm-hmm. sound, or you're MOS. So uh, in the early days of filmmaking, mm-hmm. there were a lot of Germans mm, who, were. who worked in Hollywood. Yeah. And so they used a lot of German terminology for and stuff. And now there's a lot of Jews that work in Hollywood. So we've come full circle, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> Um, <laughs> That's only funny if Steve Schwartz is in the room, huh? No, it's always funny. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. what do you want to know? Oh, you know, just uh, where'd you get those jean shorts? Well, they used to be jeans once. Okay, and then I cut them. <laughs> where'd shorts. you get those goofy ass shorts? My camo cargos. <laughs> I don't know. I've had them for a while. Your, your khaki cargo. I'm a fan of cargos. Filmmaking is the only industry where cargo pants and cargo shorts you are cool. <laughs> well, they're necessity. They're maybe them. still not cool. I love them. I won't buy shorts unless they're cargo shorts now. Mm. It is necessary. Yeah. I, these these are like my nice shorts. <laughs> with only four pockets. Yeah, with only four pockets. I prefer uh, 20 pockets. <laughs> Well, it's true. When you were on the left, you said, I was like, hey, I need this. And you just reach around. Here you go. Yeah. Well, that's a big part of, you know, just being able to be hired is just being able to. The biggest thing is anticipating, you yeah. know, yeah. in any position on the film set, just like, okay, what's going to happen next and be ready for it. Yeah. I always come with a dry erase marker and a Sharpie because, you know, maybe whoever's running Slate fell off the truck. Or the thing. And, oh. Be prepared is your motto. Be prepared. It's mm. a good motto. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's really my motto, but I haven't put much thought into <laughs> motto. I think <laughs> motto will anticipate. Micah doesn't uh, come up with mottos. Micah just does. Yeah. <laughs> Go with the flow, man. You don't have a motto. Do you have a mantra? Go with the flow. That's his mantra. Oh, okay. Um, I should. Give me a tug. I know there's going to be a test. <laughs> yeah, I'll right? go with the flow. Give me a tug. I'll go with the flow. <laughs> what was... Uh, what was your first like big crew movie experience and and what was it like transitioning to having a real crew? First one with? was through uh Chris Patterson, who's a local cinematographer and gaffer. Recently he um he did Stover Hill. He shot mm-hmm. Stover oh, Hill. Oh sure. Which was written by Jason Lethar. Yeah, Jason Lethard and Sergio Coppola. Mm. Um I met him through Troy, actually. And 
he helped me turn all of those lights that I got from stage pin plugs to Edison plugs. He, mm-hmm. he had me come over and we went to Home Depot and we bought all the tools we needed to, to cut those lights into and rewiring so that you could plug them into a normal outlet. Right. And that was huge for me. You know, then my career and Suddenly they're usable. <laughs> so I owe CP a lot. Because where do you and, use stage pin? And he, he needed a, 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 a PA on a Discovery Channel pilot which I don't think anything happened with, but it was called Operation Operation Benghazi. Um, and there was a crazy set out in like Julian uh, made to look like, gosh, I'm going to expose how little I know about world politics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was really cool. There was a huge set and tons of people. And I gravitated towards, towards the grips too. You know, I've, I've always kind of just floated that direction. Because it's it's really the most fun, I think. I think grip is grip and electric is so much fun. Just lighting and shaping the light and making everybody look pretty. A lot of people think that you just need a a nice camera to make a movie, but there's yeah. so much more that goes into just you know making the image look good than a yeah. Nice we talk camera. about that all the time on the show. Everybody's yeah. obsessed with 4K or 6K or doesn't whatever. Matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're HD or higher, you're fine, mm-hmm. you know, and really Especially the biggest, now. the biggest change in quality of your image is how good your glass is oh, and how good your lighting is. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's Cameras really are always going to get better, deal. but good thing to invest in is the glass because that'll never go bad. Yeah. What's your uh, favorite kind of lighting? My favorite kind of lighting. Yeah. Like mine's like Chiaroscuro. What's that mean? I don't know. I learned it in film school. I don't think I've ever said it again. Since. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd Do you mean like feel lighting like an intellectual equipment? if I said that in front of you. Uh, no, I mean like, what is my question I'm trying to get out of? Um, I like things that are like heavily backlit. Well, okay. Yeah. There we go. Make people really stand out from the background and mm-hmm. look very dimensional. So it's not flat. Um, so I like to backlight things. I stole that from JT and Brueggemeyer. They they showed me everything. Hmm. It wasn't until I met Brueggemeyer uh, loves his fog machine. Oh yeah. Oh, it's great. You know, you see movies with like beams of light coming through and you can see the beam. You can't see that. You can't see the sun shooting through this window right here. But if we had a fog machine going, you'd see everywhere the lights going. Need to get a diffusion machine. That's what, that's what's really makes it stand out the most. A diffusion machine? It's a it's like a fog machine, but it puts out a much finer mist that so you don't uh, have to that, flag that doesn't it down dis- so much. Yeah, that doesn't gather in big clouds. It yeah. just diffuses a, a room out. But light coming through it will have a hard beam. Will have that hard beam. Yeah. Um, but you don't have the the cloud problem that you have with a fog machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a it, you know you have ground foggers, you have a fogger. You have the diffuser. They're all three basically doing the same thing, but it's how they spit out this, the gotcha. smoke. That makes oh, it's a good look. It's a handy tool. So Brueggemeyer's a big fogger, huh? He's a great big fogger. <laughs> great diffusers. Director. Diffusers are what uh, are what they use a lot at concert venues. <laughs> okay. So, you know, when you come yeah, into yeah, a concert yeah. and you, you sit down and the yeah. lights go, 
You're like, oh, holy okay. crap! Why are those lights got such a tight beam? Mm-hmm. It's because they've been running a, a diffuser in the in the arena for the last like two hours. Gotcha. Mm. And it's just a real slow build, but it just collectively builds and builds and builds and builds. That's a good tool to have. That's yeah. for sure. Diffusers are more expensive than a regular fog machine, though. Oh, yeah. Which is why most people don't. Have we it. just use in the low budget world. We just use the like you know thirty dollar oh, Halloween the one that one. smells like syrup. They all smell like syrup. They all, do. Yeah. They all use the same. Those juice. girls on Lefty were so freaked out by <laughs> by the fog machine. Every time we 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 had to spray the set, they were like running for cover. They did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. It is very interesting. Lighting for me is the closest thing to painting. Oh, yeah. That you can get without actually picking up a brush. Totally. Which is why I loved it. I mean, I was a lighting guy forever. Um, like I said, I was technical theater major with a lighting emphasis at Baylor. I left Baylor to go work at Very Light, um, which at the time was like the largest concert lighting company in the world. It was all robotic lighting, moving lights. And uh, just had a blast doing that stuff and working concerts. And then I worked as a roadie for a while. Um, that's cool. Pretty much my emphasis for a good eight or nine years was lighting, but it was, it was concert style lighting, Uh which was in a lot of (laughs) ways I find even more fun than film lighting. I'm sure it is. Film lighting is oftentimes about trying to recreate, you know, kind of the dramatic realism of a a space, which is its own challenge. What's it motivated by? Make it look realistic, yeah. but still look good. But like on a concert, like it's like you have all the color palette to play with, you know, <laughs> from from the the ultraviolet purples all the way to the deepest reds, and you just you yeah, literally paint with it with color. whatever, you know. Yeah, and you use gobos to create all sorts of different you know, patterns and, and those patterns might be one thing on the ground, but when beaming through a diffusion cloud, you know, they all have a different quality to them on on the beam. And so it's not even about what they look like on the ground. It's how they look like passing through the air. I just loved concert lighting. I like lighting for film a lot more because of the grip side of things, like the rigging side of things. It's like, it's like playing with tinker toys, you know, (laughs) building what, is necessary to get the shot. It's yeah. so much fun. There's so much creativity involved. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities. Um, the one thing I haven't seen enough of on sets are like truss rigs to really get good lighting up high and diffu- mm-hmm. diffusions up high. And, you know, everybody's got their C stands and that works for, for certain kind of things. But when you're doing a, on bigger budget things, you're doing a big them. budget thing where you know you're going to have the whole house in 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 a shot. Mm-hmm. Like they will build a truss tower all around the right. block. Yeah, <laughs> and I just learned what layer that was. silks all the way across the the roof, create a ceiling over the block. You know, Oops, sorry, no step like, on your keys. <laughs> I was watching uh, behind the scenes on some some western. I can't remember what it was True Grid or something, and. And they actually, I saw an image of a little old West town underneath a giant truss structure where they had draped silk over the entire old West town. (laughs) I'm like, that's how you control everything in your environment. (laughs) You just build truss over it all. I had just learned what that was at the, the job I just got. I did a couple of trial days there 
Oh, yeah. cool. And he left me alone with an order and just says, well, have at it. Try to figure it out. Yeah. And I had to look Yikes. it up on my phone. Like, what the, what's a truss? And then <laughs> I matched what I saw on Google Images with what I saw in the, in the warehouse, in the warehouse and, and grabbed, you know, four 10-foot pieces, three five-foot pieces, and a little block. And and when he came back, he was like, oh, wow, nicely done. <laughs> Thank so God for Google. Like, I didn't yeah, have Google, Google when I had those experiences. Thanks, Google. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got thrown into stuff, and it's just like – I'm on a concert and it's like, Hey, you know, go grab us a cheeseburger and bring it over here. And we're going to put stuff together and get this rolling. I'm like, what the? cheeseburger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the word, the, the little terms for different pieces of gear really intimidated me when I was yeah. first getting my, my feet in like dipping my feet into film shoots. Yeah. What the hell's a quacker platypus <laughs> a baby <laughs> i don't know you know any of those i know what a baby is well as an actor you don't really need to but i, I feel don't. like you know knowing what the, i feel like actors should know after a while wouldn't mind knowing you know after a while you will i mean i went and, to i studied film in college but it was film theory mm-hmm. yeah. that's what i didn't like about community college because i there were i, mean, I dabbled on so many i went to City, I went to Mesa, I went to mm-hmm. Miracosta, I went to Palomar, I, I took film classes Whoa. at all of these schools. Community college slut. Oh yeah, I was whoring myself out there. <laughs> but all this all Academic these classes were just sit around and talk about movies. Yeah. That's not how you learn. You That's learn funny because when I went to Palomar, because I did go back to Palomar in two thousand, um, I took art I took the RTV program, mm-hmm. not the cinema program. And maybe that's the distinction. The cinema program, the classes that I did take for cinema were all theory, let's talk. And yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite classes that's ever fair. was a whole semester on horror film. Oh, cool. And then the second semester was an entire semester about Stanley Kubrick. Oh, <laughs> where was that when I went to school? It was at Palmer. It was amazing. It was I did one on fantastic. Oliver but Stone. Then, but all of the radio and television, the RTV classes, all of those were productions. Yeah, that and to be yeah, fair, I took the RTV classes at City College, and with my experience at all four of those community colleges, I recommend City College the most. Mm, and I just saw a post now. recently that they're like they're cutting a lot of those classes out, they which are. is a tragedy. Mm. If anyone, I think, it, this, I think it's just the cycle of things because, like, again, my time at Palomar was fifteen years ago, and like there was no other place like when it came time for the Emmys every year, it was Palomar productions and SDSU productions up against each other, mm-hmm. like every year for like f- the four years that I was taking classes there. But like now I, I couldn't tell you, you know, which one it is. I've heard lots of people be, say city, be city really good, and- you know, but, uh, but it's a cycle like <laughs> budgets shift and mm-hmm. professors leave and come and, you know, and it, and it, it just changes every, every few years. One college will stand out over the others. If you get a chance, take a class under Dwayne Gardella at city college. He's got the lighting for TV and film class and, uh, the art direction class, as well as a lot of theater classes. Mm-hmm. And that's the most hands-on thing I've ever done. They've got this dungeon of props in the basement <laughs> where they've kept every prop piece and every set that they've ever used for the past 30, 40 years mm-hmm. in this dungeon of props. And when you go to the lighting class, the first thing you do is go down to the basement and pick whatever set you're going to build. Mm-hmm. And then you bring it up to the studio, you build your set, and then you bring out all these Mole Richardson lights 
and and light it and then you shoot it at the end of the class and at the end of the year you've got a demo reel mm-hmm. it was amazing and and Dwayne is so he just doesn't say no to people and if like hookup my movie for Halloween last year mm-hmm. would not have happened without him mm-hmm. so I, I I needed to build a creepy gas station and he had all the fixings to do that down in the dungeon yeah where'd you uh, where'd you build that in a racquetball court serious yeah the inside (laughs) the inside of the gas station okay was a racquetball court at city college and Mm -hmm. then the exterior of the gas station was like a little sports shed out by the tennis courts and (laughs) and we we lugged all of that stuff across the street to build up the set and i had uh mike brugemeyer and nick mansfield team up to build um the exterior while we were shooting the interior so I was able to build with me and Nick and a bunch of my friends. We built the inside and it was able to sit there for a week. But the exterior, we weren't able to build until the day up. So while we were shooting the interior shots with uh, Merrick and Andrew Ian, mm-hmm. Brugemeyer and Nick were out there just hustling, making that set happen. I just I had a <laughs> poorly drawn storyboard of what I wanted it to look like. Mm-hmm. And I just five minutes told them like where I'm seeing stuff. And if you have any better idea... Go for it. I trust you. And then when we're done shooting in here, we'll come out here and shoot this. And we had a 10-hour day at at City College. Whoa. And uh, had all the gas station stuff done. That's awesome, man. And I was really was very good. Like, it, looked, it all looked it really, looked really good. Exact, the best thing about that movie is that the everything that I had envisioned in my head is what's on YouTube now. And that's, that's a beautiful cool. thing. Yeah. You know? And I love to storyboard all of my projects um, shot for shot just mm-hmm. it's so much easier to explain something if you have a visual to go with it and then everybody's on the same page you know have a storyboard listed out this is what's what we're doing and this is what's up next and everybody knows well, just look at the storyboard look at the script um, I'm looking you up on IMDB I'm not ignoring you okay I'm listening to you <laughs> I, uh, well, that's cool Mark, really, does, dude, Mark does that all I'm on this podcast I don't, just in case, I don't know I don't want to miss anything <laughs> Ask away. I'll tell Ask you. Ask away. Yeah, oh, hey, that, that movie looked really good. It did. Thank you. Who did the makeup uh, when you slit Mister MacArthur's? It was throat? Francia Cohen. Oh, beautiful, talented Francia Cohen. And she was, Aubrey she was Hill. Was, yeah, we just we just interviewed her for the podcast. It'll go up. A oh, I can't bit. wait to hear her. It'll go she, up. Uh, I love I think her. a little bit ahead of yours. So I love Francia. Yeah, she's great. She's just a breath of fresh air. She's got so much spunk. I love Francia. And yeah, she'll I've, do anything. I've asked her to work on uh, Midnight Rest with us. Once you get her on your on her yeah. good side, then she's like loyal. Yeah. You know. And but she's so talented and uh, you know, she's pushing the the kit fee thing and I think that's really worthy, but she'll, you know, if if she's on your side, she'll go to the she'll keep fighting for you. <laughs> go to the battlefield with you, huh? Cool. I got a question for you. Okay. Your name. Yes. What kind of name is that? Micah Minor? Yeah. Um, it's a name with a couple of M's in it. Yeah. It's like American Rolls off the tongue nicely. I like that. Mm. My parents are very religious Christians. And okay. They like Micah the Minor Prophet. Oh, in, uh, in whoa. Bible. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Named after a prophet. Yeah. A minor cool. prophet. Yeah. <laughs> Which works out minor very well. Whatever. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah. Are you a religious dude yourself, or are you kind of like, eh? 
more like eh. Yeah, the dude abides. Real life. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing a dude. Shirt I love that you're wearing the dude. Because <laughs> that's out. totally how I that's think of Micah. Micah's just religion. like, hey man, <laughs> it's that's all just like good, your man. Opinion, man. <laughs> we can make it I'm happen. Very, it's all good. <laughs> I'm a very easygoing. I'm very non-confrontational and. <laughs> Rents do, dude. Far out. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> Not going to do anything about it. Uh, so you went from kid making movies, however he felt like making movies, to kid with some lights. Well, it started a lot sooner than that, the actually. List guy. I, uh, when I was, before I even knew the alphabet, I was writing picture books. <laughs> I thought about bringing one over, but I thought no one listening is going to get the effect. But I have stacks and stacks. Well, you can send me some photos of them, and we'll put them in the gallery oh, sure. on the oh, show sure. page. Um, most of them are about Indiana Jones because sure. I love Indiana Jones. Who doesn't? But uh, the kid doesn't. I would draw these picture books, and then I I didn't know the alphabet, but I knew how to talk. So I'd take the pictures that I drew to my parents and have them write in their handwriting what I told them to write on each page. So I have stacks of these books that I wrote before I even knew how to write. <laughs> and I kept doing that all throughout my childhood. Like when, when so my friends visual were playing, storyteller from the beginning. Oh yeah. When my friends were playing Nintendo, I was sitting in the corner drawing and writing little stories. Ooh. You got siblings. I have one older brother. Is he into the arts too? Or is he more? He's an a, artist. He's okay. a painter. Um, Parents, not so much. He though. actually, he's a freelance uh, model painter. Do you know about uh, Warhammer, the model game? You like, it's like this super nerdy, super uh, intricate board game where you build your own models and they all have stats and he paints all of them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, he freelance paints models. Um, what was the question? Artistic. Where was I? I hadn't started a question. I was working towards a question. You stopped me. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So kid who does picture books, kid who shoots some movies, kid who has a bunch of lights, kid who's interning, kid who's now making his own movies, kicking ass with them, by the way, because Hooked Up is really good. Um, Thank you, man. And now you're about to transition into the next phase. Right. I would argue the point where you're no longer a kid. He's a man, man. Yeah, this is growing up. I'm yeah. starting to feel it. You're moving on from the nest. You're moving into the big bad world of Los Angeles. <laughs> a boys all grows up. So what are you doing up there? What 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 is this big opportunity that you've uh, yeah big, you've landed yourself in? Big opportunity fell in my lap. So mm-hmm. I was working probably about three weeks ago on a Kia commercial. It was an all LA crew, but they hired local production assistants. And the first thing I do when we're loading, loading in is I spot out the grips and I go up to the grips and I say, Hey, I do G and E stuff here in San Diego. So if you guys need help with that, I'm your guy. And then that's when, uh, sorry, the sun's beaming into my eyes. I have to scooch over. Um, that's when the key grip, this big hulking guy, uh, probably like seven feet tall, super intimidating. <laughs> he comes up to me. He pulls me aside. He's like, so you want to be a grip? I say, I am a grip. He says, not yet. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to be a grip, 
you got to move up to LA. Mm. And I'm looking for a new employee at my shop. I turn around grip trucks. He's got, he's got like 30 foot grip trucks, like four of them. And they go out on big movies and big commercials all the time. And he has one employee at the shop. So he says, uh, if you're interested, I'd love to have you come up. And I was like, you know, I was blown away. He didn't really, all I did was come up and say, Hey, I do G and E stuff. If you need help, let me know. And then he offers me the job on the spot, which I was skeptical about. Sure. But he's, he, he has to go light a shot. And so he says, he's like about to walk away. And as he's walking away, he's like, do me a favor and look at my IMDB page. So I do my only job on that set at that time was just to lock off a portion of the set as a PA and make sure nobody walks Mm. on like in while they're shooting. Right. So I have time to dibble on my diddle daddle on my phone. So I go to the call sheet, I copy his name, I go to to IMDb and I paste his name and the guy's been the key grip on every Steven Spielberg movie since Schindler's List. Whoa! (laughs) My jaw hits the floor and I'm like, well, you just can't say no to a guy like that. You just can't. So I go on Facebook. Well, you can, but you probably shouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) Because you'll be regretting it. Yes. If you don't, take it up. So I like, did you listen to Tony Cox's episode with us? Sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Yeah. Oh man. But, uh, I, I posted on Facebook. I was like, should I stay or should I go? Yes. I saw that. Pretty much everybody said, get everybody, everybody out of here. here. Yeah. Everybody over a hundred comments. But I would have said, I didn't it. want to, I didn't want to clog up my feed and all that, but I would have said, <laughs> yes, that would be a- go North young man. Over a hundred comments. The most successful post I've ever put out there was, should I go? And everyone said yes. And yeah, the hardest thing is, is my girlfriend, you know, just leaving her. Um, Yeah, but she's still here. She's also supportive. She's like, you got to do it. Well, I mean, I think in the end, this is a weird business that we, we work in. And the fact of the matter is if any of us want to be successful at this business, Part of the deal is at some point we're not going to be home. Yeah. Right. We're going to have to, if we get onto a major, major film, you know, say you get onto a mission impossible or something like that, you know, you could spend nine, 10 months of the year traveling around the world. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're the key grip of a Steven Spielberg movie, you're not going to be home. You're not going to be home. (laughs) You know, that's just the way it works. Sure. And that's part of the deal. And anybody who falls in love with one of us has to understand that. Right. And if it's they're truly supportive of what we do and understand that what we do is really who we are right. because artists are what they are, what they do. Um, unlike I think a lot of office jobs where I do my shit at the office and then I come home mm-hmm. and I'm somebody else. Oh. Artists by and large are their work. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And, and to be involved with one of us, they have to be able to understand that that's going to be the deal. We're going to be disappearing for periods of time. It's not that we don't want to have a life with Mm -hmm. them. It's not that we don't want to be putting roots down and, you know, having a real relationship, but just understanding that, you know, a little bit of uh, absence is going to be part of the deal. Mm. Right. You know, you got to find the, got to find the girl who can, who can deal with that. If she can deal with that, it's great. I've got her. Nice. <laughs> about that. You I, live with her now? Uh, not officially. Oh, okay. So you're not like moving out. <laughs> no. Weekends? I, it's only, I'm going up there today. Oh yeah. I'll be back like every weekend, if not every other weekend. Yeah. So that's not even a problem. I know one it's weekend not like I'm going to, to back for. Yeah, Montreal. Gonna, 48? 
Uh, the four points, yeah. Oh, oh you better points. believe it. Oh, okay. Mike is you got a hell of a crew, points. man. <laughs> Watch out for the intellectual team. <laughs> JT said he wouldn't do it without people you. on that team. So, you know. And I'm honored to hear Would that. you be coming back for the 48, too? Yeah. That's a long time I've away, Mark. Time. I've got time. He may be on a Steven Spielberg movie at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's a <laughs> point. Let's hope it happens that Or fast. running this guy's shop Honestly, for him while gonna, he's off. Of yeah, he's, that's more like it. It's going to take a long time before I graduate the warehouse position. But that is L.A. You have to put in your time. You have sure. to do the dues. Just my, the thing that I'm struggling the most, which I've officially decided that I'm just going to go for it and see where it takes me. But the thing that I struggle with the most is that I do not want to be a grip right. for life. Right. I want to direct. But directing is not a paying job for some 24 year old kid from San Diego. It's just no. not, you have to, there's so much luck involved with directing. Yep. You, you just have to, but make, a lot of that, a lot of that luck is about being in the right place at the right sure. time and putting yourself in a position where you get the exposure to the people right. who are going to just give you making that shot. cool shit and hoping that somebody sees it. Yeah. Someone who, you know, so you go up there, that, that you, you do your, do. you do your grip job Monday through Friday. You know, that's a nice thing about a warehouse job is mm-hmm. you'll have a regular schedule. Sure. Most likely. Which means you can actually work stuff around that. And that's my goal. And so going you'll up be there. in LA. You'll be with a lot of other people your age who are, you know, gung ho to make stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we poo poo LA people all the time, but the fact is, is there's a lot of Poo-poo. people creating stuff in LA every yes. day who aren't part of the studio system, who are just trying to figure out how to, you know, kind of break the mold and, and find their way in. Right. You'll be with those people. You can make that happen, you know, and you, you can step in and, and, and create. Mm-hmm. And those people are also, it's, an, it's the networking thing, right? Their network is Los Angeles's network. Sure. <laughs> you start getting in with the right people that you're doing fun projects with on your off time that could put you in the position where you're going to find yourself being exposed to somebody else. I mean, you, you right. got this job just cause you showed up for a Kia commercial, right? You know? You never uh, know. And you just got to be able to say yes. Tons of stuff being shot in LA all the time. Anything you show yes, up on. And yeah. Anything you show up on is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You never know who you're going to meet. Um, you know, I mean, that's one of the things I've been learning with the podcast is like, who the hell am I? I'm getting these people to come and talk. But just the fact that I get to sit and talk to somebody for an hour has created friendships with people I never would have had any access right. to ever in my life, <laughs> you know, and, and it's bringing your persona. Up and, yeah, a bit things, up things are coming from it, you yeah. know, but showing up. That's the biggest thing is, is sure. like stepping out of that comfort zone and showing up. That sure. that makes all the difference in the world to moving yourself forward. And if it totally sucks, you can always come back. Yeah. Right. I don't even have to sign a lease. I'm uh, good. There we go. But uh, <laughs> no, you're, I'm you're absolutely right. I'm envious. And I'm going to go up there with the intention to, with the goal to like still be writing scripts when I get off of work and yeah. ha- plan out what kind of movies I'm going to make when I'm in a position to do so. Mm-hmm. So that when I run into Spielberg, I've already got a script in my hand, you know, that sort of thing. Nice. I, you know, um, just, but it's going to be just, hard work. Just remember to not stop being you. That's the biggest thing. Sure. I think a lot of people go to LA and they get told a lot of things by a lot of people. Oh, you're going to have to do this and you're going to need to be like that. And you're going to have to stop being a nice guy and you're going to have to whatever. Got to be a dick. You know, just never lose sight of who you really are mm-hmm. and where your background is and where you've come from and all the things that have made you a success here right. are the same things that can make you a success there if you stay true to it. 
And I think what happens to a lot of people is they go up there and they start trying to be what everybody else tells them they should be. And mm-hmm. they lose sight of who they really are. And then nobody knows who they are. Right. And when nobody knows who you are, it's tough to make a name for yourself. So, you know, my, my suggestion and my advice to you is don't lose sight of who you are. Make sure you stay the same person that we all know and love down here when you go up there and just kick their ass with kindness, man. Cause I think, uh, I think in the end, that's, what's going to win out for you up there is being a, being a stand up good guy. Thanks man. And I will, I definitely will. I sure that I can lose my mind in a warehouse position soon, but it will be a, I got stuck in a warehouse for, for, uh, 11 months, Uh 11 months at very light, 11 and a half months at very light in Dallas. Um, that summer was brutal, mm-hmm. you know, 102 degrees out, 99% humidity. And I'm stuck in a non air conditioned warehouse Eesh. by the loading doors, working cable for 11 months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I about know. went out of my fucking mind, <laughs> but you're still you, still still you. Me. You're still you, you know, my but, advice. But the thing that happened for me with that was after 11 and a half months of that, I said, you know what? I need to see the beach. And I came back to California. Yeah. Three years in Texas, one year in Dallas, working at very light. And I went, you know, this isn't for me. I can change. I can change the thing that's making me unhappy. Mm-hmm. So again, if LA is not working out for you, you always come back. Yeah, absolutely. But I think come back. I have so much more knowledge. <laughs> well, that's and know? that's the case. I mean, my day job is being a grip. Yeah, Whether yeah. I everything be a you're going to learn not. there is going to be just stepping stone to whatever it is you do next. Right. Whether it's there or here, either one. And you're at a good age to do it too. Sure. You, so everyone I, keeps I did saying. it when I was I was a little older. That you're 24. I was like 27, I think, when I moved mm-hmm. up there. Uh, but I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have a job. I was trying to do the acting thing like every other person that moves up there every minute does. Uh, so you know, but you you got a couple of uh, you got support supportive friends, job, girlfriend. It is different too to not go up there being an actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've got steady work going into it. I mean. Mm-hmm. Peter and Deep T were telling me to move up with them, and they were offering me a hell of a deal, you know, two weeks before this opportunity came up, and I said no. Nope. I said, I've got a lot going for me here. I can do G&E and direct here. I've got a great team of people who believe in me and who continue to teach me that it's just not worth it for me to go up there and be at the bottom of the totem pole when I'm already a fairly big fish and a fairly small pond now mm. and i said i was like no sorry guys have fun and i'll come crash on your couch whenever you've got a gig well i'm going to tell you another secret too is all of us down here who who like you and care about you and want to see your success we will come up to la on weekends to work on shit with you mm-hmm. like all the relationships you have here don't go away just because you've gone to la right so you know, you need you need anything that I can do to help you out on a weekend. If you're shooting some phone calls, all it takes. I'm probably going to be shooting down here. You know, nice. you know? same thing. I you got know? my crew. If and, you need an actor, oh, you know it. But I mean, we talked that, about that. But I mean, that's just it. Is like work there. You know, learn the things you need to learn. But San Diego, as we have all stated over and over and over again, is just down the road. You sure, know? Mm. it's a two-hour train ride to get back back into town. You know, and the beauty, beauty about taking a train is it's got beer. It's got beer, and you can write. Right. Absolutely. Drink and write. I will. It's like all the greats. Have a beer, cruising down, you know, watching all the traffic, 
that you're not having to deal with, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you can sit there and write scripts, you sure. know, and make that, you know, helpful, useful time. So that's the biggest thing everybody complains about going to LA. It's like, oh, fucking traffic. I got to do it today. It's just wasted time. Right now. Sitting in traffic, <laughs> wasted time. Another good thing about LA, mm-hmm. umami burger. Mm. I had my first one last Thursday, and I'm probably going to have one in a couple hours. The bomb. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Umami. Yeah, check I'll it check it out. Yeah. I definitely will. You got to check it out. And so, good job on crowd sorcery, by the way. Thank you, sir. Yes, I know. Yeah, we my, had my favorite film of the 48. Was it your favorite? Yeah. Oh, shucks. <laughs> we had so much fun doing that. I was a self-deprecating puddle of anxiety leading up to the 48. Like my first time doing the 48 with a with a real crew and mm. all these people. And what if I don't have room for all my actors and then I have to let them down and nobody's going to love me after this. Can, and then, can I can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. That's how I'm feeling about four points right now. <laughs> oh, dude, you know, you can build up as many I usually do scenarios. my stuff with just like four people my family and a couple of actors just remind yourself this man, whole man. thing of asking everybody to come and yeah, be a part of the team of is wigging me out they're gonna be <laughs> stoked to work with you and work with each other there's the thing that uh, Steve Mickelson told me is that the team that you have is more concerned about making sure that they do the best job that they can in, in whatever position they've got so that they can further themselves while, you know, benefiting your vision mm-hmm. with your vision in mind, but they want to do the best job they can do for them. Yeah. And my whole thing is, is, and it's, and it's been true with the podcast. It's been true when I was a concert guy. It's true as a, as a director in film. My whole thing is, is my nightmare, my like daily nightmare. <laughs> I will wake up in a cold sweat. Yeah is this idea that I show up on set and I just choke on whatever idea it was. I have, oh, I have the same and everybody thing. goes, you're a fraud. Oh, dude, <laughs> you're full of shit. Why are we here for you? Everybody. That's has the thing that, that terrifies me the most. It's like yeah. the fight or flight response. I yeah, think it's I just a natural impulse. My sister walked of. into the room the other day and she goes, how many fucking people do we have on this team now? <laughs> and you're just like, I know. I'm like, I I'm don't scared. know. It's 77, like, one for every it's hour. A lot. And JT's like asking a lot of people like to help him out on his side of it. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how many people we're going to have on this team. It's you'll crazy. Thank him, you'll thank him later. <laughs> you don't want to ask a guy with a six ton grip truck to do it all on his own. No, of course not. Yeah, of course yeah. not. And, uh, but it's just like, you know, <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of grommets on their team and I love the grommets <laughs> and you have nothing, nothing to worry about working yeah. with them. Well, that was the they, other thing. We that have was, got that was the other back. thing my sister said. She's like, is this a grommets team or is it an intellectual team? Oh, it's an intellectual yeah. team with a no. lot of grommets. <laughs> no, that's what I did. Intellectual decided grommets. That's what I did. The grommets decided they're not doing San Diego anymore because yeah. they just win all the time. They dominated. And yeah. so I said, Hey, you guys want to come be on my team? They're like, sure. And so I had Frank and I had Mike Tao and I had Mike Brugemeyer and nice. they all had my back. Yeah. And while still respecting that this was my movie. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that that's the thing that I think I, I I've come to realize with these guys in the last you know five six months, really since I had the podcast with Brugemeyer, um, is that they're really I mean yeah they celebrate their wins. And, yeah. and they should, but for the most part, that entire group of people 
are just about the work and they're just about supporting one another and making sure that whatever it is they're working on lives up to the highest quality that's possible. That's what I'm, that's what I'm figuring out from all of them, you know, and, and they, they want to work on other people's stuff, which I think is amazing, you know, but I didn't know that until recently because I had my head too far up my ass to know. (laughs) People are intimidated by the good work, but I mean, anything good takes good people, good head on their shoulders and, yeah, one, one, one good movie is a fluke. Two good movies, eh, you know, maybe maybe there's something there. But the consistency that that team of people has produced such fine work, you, you can't deny that that they're good at what they do. And as a whole, they wouldn't be able to do that as consistently as they have if they were a bunch of assholes. And none of them are. None <laughs> yeah. of them are. And the yeah. best thing about the Grommets is they are so open to – sharing what they know yeah and i have been sucking them dry for all their worth (laughs) and so blessed to have been exposed to that team because of peter peter brought i met him at palomar college Mm -hmm. and he was really humble really quiet and we were working on this little movie that brandon morley directed called the defeatinator and i i had just gotten out of high school and made all these movies and they showed at the pep rallies and i thought i was such hot shit and i was super cocky like yeah, I got these lights. I've got a DSLR. I've got like three lenses. I can make a movie happen. <laughs> and then Peter was put on my team by the teacher. He's like, yeah, I got lights. We need a mic. I've got a mic. He shows up on set with the, the bad cat mobile and F-150 pulling a trailer full of all the top of the line gear. And my, I'm just like, oh, I was just smacked in the face with humility mm-hmm. and just like, Hey, Peter, want to be best friends? <laughs> and we are best friends now. Oh, nice. And he brought me on the set of coverage, which went on to win Best Film LA. Right. And that was my first experience working on a set that was just a well-oiled machine. And everyone knew what their job was. and Everyone was busting their ass to make it as perfect as possible. And everyone was so informative. And mm-hmm. that's where I met JT. And I told JT basically the same thing I told Troy when I met him on uh, on that movie. Uh, I think it's called El Camino. Um, I, I said, let me be your apprentice, man. Like, right. I want to learn everything you know. And sure enough, a week later, he said, come on to this gig. I could use some extra hands. And it was paid. And then I did a good job. And he was like, good job. And then he, so he brought me on another shoot and taught me more shit. Mm-hmm. And JT is my hero. Yeah. I mean, he really, he's the first grommet we had on the show and a worthy grommet. <laughs> worthy. A, Aren't they all? They're all worthy. Absolutely. <laughs> You're I love worthy. every single one of them. JT is my hero. Um, Mike Brugemeyer is the embodiment of what I want to be when I grow up. Just an absolute master of filmmaking of every, any aspect. We were working on a, a Deep D's web series, The Wandmaker. Hmm. Deep D and Dustin Stern Garcia have a Harry Potter fan fiction called The Wandmaker. And we were doing this scene and Mark, Mike Brugemeyer came to help on the on this set. And there was like the scene in a bar where... Um, a guy's sitting there alone and then two bad guys come up and, and start a fight with him. And then they pull out their wands and they hit each other with the wands. And one guy like goes stiff and falls straight back. 
So while we're blocking this scene, the actor's like, well, if I have to fall straight backwards, what am I going to fall on? We don't have a mat. And then Brueggemeyer runs up to him, puts his hand out to shake his hand and says, hi, I'm Matt. <laughs> and then every shot we did, we rolled through like eight takes of the shot and every single shot, the actor fell into a trust fall that, that Mike Brueggemeyer would. And he just, you know, he'll do, he jumped on every position on that shoot. He would work art department. He would work grip. He would be the assistant director. He wears a lot of hats. Wear any hat. Yeah. Well, when I lost the money, when I lost the money for midnight rest, Brueggemeyer was the first person to say to me, okay, well, let's just figure it out and let's just do it. Yeah. You don't. I mean, the only money I spent on hookup, which we built sets for that. The only money I spent on that was craft services to feed the people. And that's all you really need to do. Mm -hmm. If you know the right people and they're, they're happy to work with you is just make sure you feed your crew because yeah. a grumpy crew is not a happy no bueno. My, that's where I spend all my money on my shorts. Crafty. But yeah. hey, we have, to, we have to Ramp cut this it. out. Uh, uh, oh, man. I know. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're over an hour. You got to go to L.A. <laughs> For a guy who was it. nervous that we wouldn't be able to talk much. So, I know. You know, we're Open a, up the we're hour and seven Come down from part two. Now, warmed up. now, yeah, now he's like, I got to keep going. Yeah, yeah, I got way more stories. <laughs> what the hell's man? this stopping shit? Well, yeah. that's why we have you come back. Exactly. I would love to do that. And actually, I want to have you come back because there's a couple of things. Like, I want to I want to have you come back after you've been in L.A. for a little bit. Yeah. Because I want to I want to kind of catch up with Post you and LA see what, that, what that's like, yeah. how it's going. Uh, maybe a couple months from now. Just, sure. just to get a feel for where you're Update. at. I'd say after, uh, let's do it like December after the four points is all said and done. Yeah. And then we can kind of talk about. Yeah. And I wanted to get, I wanted to get JT on after that as well. Totally. Cause that'll be the first time I work with JT. Totally. So yeah, maybe we can just do a little round table group kind of thing. I have to shout out Frank. I love you, Frank. Frank Worth. Frank Forth. What about Aubrey? I fucking love Aubrey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I worked with Frank yesterday and it was the same sort of thing. I was just like, I was like, you, you tell me everything that you want, Frank, and I'll do it. You know, I just want to learn from you. And right. the whole time he's like, I'm probably telling you stuff you already know. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry if I am <laughs> like, no, it's fine. This is what the deal is. You know, like, totally. I don't want you guessing what I know. You tell me what I, what I should know. And I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll Isn't go. He the nicest I'm not going to worry about what I already know. He's the nicest guy in the world. He is super nice. Super nice. He throws me a lot of gigs too. Yeah. He, uh, He's a good guy. Nice. Amazing person to work with. Yeah. So well, Micah, thanks, Micah. Even though you're going to LA, hopefully we'll work together someday. We maybe in LA. Points. We're going to work on four points. Oh, okay. Never mind. At least that, but he's talking about being <laughs> in one of my movies. movies. Yeah. I was going to do this. If, before this LA thing came up, I was going to do the same thing I did last year and make a, a Halloween movie in 30 days. I would be starting the script now, which I might still start I've got a script, Micah, home. if you want to help me make Midnight Rest. <laughs> oh, we're making Midnight Rest. No doubt about I it. I need to get that freaking shot. <laughs> well, let's... uh. We'll talk after this because I think that Dwayne at City College might be very open to helping us build a set. Nice. Well, that would be good because that's been the that's been the hangup is just no where, where do let's, we do that Let's part. talk to Dwayne. So, um, I don't want to I don't want to be murdering somebody without permits. <laughs> good point. <laughs> you know, in a public park to kill nowadays. <laughs> Oh man, uh, country's going down the tubes. And we're going to leave this podcast ending on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. All right. Thanks, Thanks for coming Micah. out, Micah. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
Hey everybody, hope you enjoyed that interview with Micah Miner. I know I did. I, I really enjoy chatting with Micah. He's just such a genuine person and it's such a nice thing to find somebody in this world, especially a young person coming up who's got the kind of enthusiasm and energy that he has and, uh, and has maintained such a polite and pleasant attitude. Um, even with the successes that he's been experiencing. So it's, uh, it's wonderful to, to have had that chance to chat with Micah. Uh, this Thursday, we're going to go ahead and release our big episode. Big. It's a short episode, actually, but our episode was Supervisor Dave Roberts from the county government here in San Diego, where Chris and I uh, sat down and chatted with him about the upcoming San Diego Film Office, which he is helping to spearhead with Mayor Falconer. Um, so be sure to check that out. That'll be the intellectual podcast number 124 on Thursday, the 22nd. So be sure to, to listen in a lot of information on how you, uh, can also participate in the process of developing the new film office and making sure that San Diego's film community attracts as much business to the town as it can and how we can all succeed if we all support one another and support our government in pursuing what they are doing to try and support us. So a lot of support going on. Uh, it's wonderful. And it's all San Diego, which is fantastic. Uh, we're just two hours from LA. Why shouldn't we be a big hub of filmmaking as well? It only makes sense. So check that out on the intellectual podcast number 124 this Thursday, October 22nd with County Supervisor Dave Roberts. And before then, why don't you download an audiobook from Audible? Uh, get yourself a free audiobook with a one month free trial with Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash IXE. You'll get your one month free trial, a free audiobook you can download and keep forever, even if you decide not to continue on with the service. And you'll support us, the Intellectual Podcast, as we continue to bring you more entertainment news and chats and lively entertainment here at theintellectual.com. 